Good morning, and welcome back to another episode of Logistics with Purpose. My name is Enrique Alvarez, and I'm with Christy Porter. How are you doing today, Christy? I'm good. I'm excited. We have yet another great guest in conversation ahead, and just from our uh, pre-talk, I know it's going to be a really good one, so I'm excited for everyone to, to hear. I know it's going to be a very interesting conversation with a very interesting company as well that has a huge organization and is helping a lot of people, but they're doing it in a very special way, um, unlike other companies or organizations out there. So it should be fun. It should be interesting. And it's going to be super exciting for both. So I guess without further ado, let me... uh, let me bring on the call to Michael Brody, Senior Vice President of Corporate Affairs at the Schottenstein Stores Corporation. Michael, good morning. How are you doing today? Oh, good morning, Enrique. I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. And thank you so, so much for having uh, giving us the time to be here with us today. It's, it's really my pleasure. Yeah, we're we're thrilled to have you on. And we're just um, already talking about what a great conversation we've had before we hit recording. So um, yeah, this is going to be another special one. And we're excited for people to hear more about um, what you guys are up to. So before we get into what you're currently doing, though, let's talk a little bit about your background. So to start us off, will you please tell us a little bit more about um, where you grew up in your childhood? Sure, Christy. Good morning to you, too. Good morning. Uh, I'm, I'm actually a native of Columbus. I grew up uh, on the south side of Columbus and a half of a double uh, living next to my grandparents. And uh, later in life, we moved to a suburb called Bexley, which uh, was complete opposite of where I grew up, but it was an interesting experience. And I've stayed in Columbus for the most part my whole life. Wow. What was it like growing up next to your grandparents? It was wonderful. It was certainly one of the things that has influenced me to be so close to family, as now I'm a, I'm a father and so on. Uh, it, it was a great way to grow up, and I certainly would encourage others if they have the opportunity to have an extended family like I, like uh, my siblings and I did. You have grandkids now, Michael, as well? Not yet. My Not son, yet. as my youngest, is married, but uh, even with little hints, they still haven't had kids yet. <laughs> what, is, what is one of those things that you'll probably do to your grandkids, something that maybe your grandfather's uh, or your grandmother did to you? I will continue to spoil them yeah. as much as I possibly can and then hand them back to, to my son and daughter. <laughs> That's what grandparents are all about. Yes. Right. Michael, looking back at your uh, story, and it sounds like it's very interesting and you had this rich family experience that they basically kind of gave you and passed you on some of the values and culture that they had. What are some of the early year kind of experiences that, that you can recall that really shaped who you are now and kind of started pushing you in the direction that, that you're in now? Uh, any kind of particular stories that you want to share with us? Well, I thought about that. It, it, the first thing that came to mind is when I was growing up, we were, I guess you consider poor, but we never thought of ourselves as poor because of the way our family acted. Uh, it, it, it was amazing when I think about it now as, as an adult, growing up with two other siblings, with two others in a probably a 900 square foot, half of a double. I had a wonderful childhood. And I, I don't think of anything that was that I didn't do or could have done given our circumstance. That's the first thing I think about. The second thing I think about is that my father, I used to sit down with my father while he was working at home. He was a pharmacist. So was my mom. They both were working pharmacists, but my dad would sit at his desk and write all kinds of checks. And one day I sat down and watched him and I asked him what he's doing. He said he was writing checks, donations. Now here I am, a little kid, 
I didn't really think much of it. But as I got older, I thought about it. We didn't have a whole lot of money, but my dad was still writing charitable checks in a small amount, but a lot of them to charities in the community. And as I got older, I asked him and he basically said to me, you know, everybody has problems worse than you. And we have a responsibility to help those no matter what our situation is. And I think that type of philosophy, that type of life affected me in the way that now I want to help others. I'm in a part of a job that is charitable in, in nature. And it makes me feel good that I'm continuing his philosophy of doing what I can to help others who may need the help more than we need. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing that comes to mind when I think of my childhood. That's a very powerful example. And and it's great. Thanks for sharing it. Yeah. Sounds like an amazing memory Um, and a great example to learn from. So I guess uh, fast forwarding just a little bit now that you're more established in your career, which we'll talk about in a second. And then looking back on those early years as you started your professional career, if you were to look back and have a conversation uh, with your 21-year-old self, so what professional or personal advice would you give yourself as far as could be along the lines of giving, it could be along the lines of career advancement, but just trying to think of how you could um, further shape your own life um, in your career, what advice would you give to your 21-year-old self? That's a very good question. If I was talking to my 21-year-old self, I would say, enjoy being young. Don't be in a hurry to grow to grow older. Enjoy as many experiences as you can before you have so many responsibilities that some of those things are put on the shelf. That's the first thing I think of. Number two, I would think a little more pragmatically. I'd say, be financially knowledgeable. Start <laughs> saving at an early age. Because the more you start saving at an early age, it will help you at an older age due to compounding and so on. Mm-hmm. A lot of people aren't financially literate. I would suggest that that's very important. Yeah. Maybe the third thing I would suggest is that never get tired of learning. Mm-hmm. What I've learned in my life is I never thought that I'd be in this position. This is not what I thought I would be doing. I'm so glad I'm doing it. But I wish I would have had more knowledge of all the opportunities that one has when they're young to go in different directions and to learn more about so many different aspects of life. Don't stop learning because you'll never know when that will come in. Yeah. That's what I would suggest. Three great lessons. Well, and before we jump into your professional journey, because everyone's very interested in knowing what happened from the time that you were with your grandparents to all those incredible experiences and uh, learnings uh, that they passed on to you to where you are now. But before I ask you that, just a quick question. What else would you have rather done? Because you were mentioning a little bit about some of the other options. Is there something outrageously different than what you're doing that you would be or yeah, there, there's so many, about doing? There in, so many interesting occupations out there. Yeah. I mean, if I had my druthers, I probably would have gone into something animal related. I love animals. I, I would have become a vet or something like that, but I wasn't pushed in that area. My father and mother thought we'd become pharmacists. Great profession, but because they were pharmacists, I decided I didn't want to become a pharmacist. It's not <laughs> right. a bad profession, right. right? We don't necessarily want to do what our parents did. I, I, I got a degree in business. I thought originally I was going to go into the business world, but I got sidetracked and got into the nonprofit world and ultimately got back into the business world. I mean, it's not something I, I would have planned for the way I ended up in this job. But I think along the way, I learned that the more I know about 
a lot of things, it comes in handy. Right, right. Keep learning. Yeah. What's your favorite animal? My favorite, oh my gosh, I love animals. Oh. I've got cats, I've got dogs, I've had fish, I've had birds. Wow. I love elephants. I mean, that's one of my favorite things I love. I'm just a real animal lover, quite honestly. And, and if you put a, a hurt animal in front of me, I'll take it in in a second if I could. If I had more room, I'd have a farm. Seriously. I could totally relate to that. And my, Are you the same way? Similar. I Probably not as, as much as you are, but similar. My daughter would love to be a veterinarian. Uh, she's 12 now, and that's one of the things that she keeps saying. So, But thank you. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your professional journey. How You mentioned a little bit of business. You mentioned a little bit about other things. How did you decide to uh, go into business? And tell us kind of how you your professional journey transpired. Well, I'll tell you the story about how I got this job. I was, before this, I was doing two things. I was regional director of a hybrid nonprofit securities company hmm. that benefited the state of Israel. And as a hybrid nonprofit, I had a volunteer chairman. My chairman was Jay Schatz. And let me tell you, anytime you have a chairman as powerful and as great as Jay Schottenstein, you cannot fail. He's that good. So we did very well in my position. We became the highest gross off, grossing office in the country. Uh, we met all of our goals. We were just fantastic. At the same time, I was doing clinical psychotherapy. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, so I had a small family practice. I only mentioned that because after six or seven years of working in my hybrid nonprofit, we met all of our goals. So I said to Jay one day, Jay, I'm, I'm to a point where I need a new challenge. I've loved working with you, but I need to find something else that will challenge me. And he said, before you decide, think about working for me. I said, what? Wow. I really? I said, what would I do? Because I really didn't know his business that well. He said, Michael, I know that if you work with me, you'll find a way to help me and my business. Awesome. That was my job description. Wow. <laughs> so I went back to my wife and I said, I really don't know what to expect, but an opportunity like this doesn't happen very often. Yeah. I really want to give it a try. And that was 25 years ago. Wow. And here I am. A blank slate that you can create on. That's really a lot of fun. That's what I've done. And what is and a hybrid today, nonprofit? It's run like a nonprofit, but it's a securities agent. Okay. It, it's really a very strange combination. It's called the Development Corporation for Israel, better known as Israel Bonds. Okay. So you have to have a Series 7 license and sell securities, but you have volunteers that help you in the process. Very strange combination, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, it sounds like just one of many interesting experiences you've had, but thank you for clarifying that. But Jay, I mean, nobody could have a better chairman than Jay Schottenstein. So, yes, let's talk about him. You've mentioned him. You've mentioned the Schottenstein stores. So for those who are unfamiliar, possibly with the name, they must live outside of Columbus for one thing. But <laughs> can you tell us a little bit more about the different brands as well as highlight some sure. of the different causes that you guys support at a corporate level? Sure. I'll give you a little history. Over 100 yeah. years ago, Jay's grandfather and grandmother came to America from Lithuania, settled on the south side of Columbus, where I live and started business with a push cart, a push cart selling little things. That push cart became very popular, so much so that they opened a little storefront and they called it Schottenstein's. From that little storefront on the south side of Columbus started the entire Schottenstein legacy of stores, where now we have over 1,600 stores, basically public companies, American Eagle, uh, Designer Brands, which is DSW. We have 18 to 20 private companies, including Value City Furniture, Schottenstein Property Group, 
SP360, which is a, a liquidation asset management company and so on, that we are a multi-multi-billion dollar company. And it all started with a push cart on the south side of Columbus. Incredible. Wow. That's that's amazing story. It's incredible. Yeah. I know. It's a great story. Yeah. Now, American Eagle, I can tell you, which is now has over a thousand stores around the country, one of the great success stories of, of in the in the retail, started from a liquidation that we were doing. They had one store. Jay came up with the idea with a lifestyle brand building on that one store. And that one store then became a thousand stores and a multi-billion dollar public company. DSW, which is also part of the designer brands, a public company on the stock exchange, started because they provided shoes to our Schottenstein's department stores. Jay came up with the idea, well, if we have some overstock, maybe we ought to create a storefront where we sell the overstock shoes. We were open a few hours a day, a couple days a week. It became so popular that we became larger. We opened up more, more often. That store, that little idea became DSW, which now has over 500 stores around the country, is dominant in the off-price and the value-oriented shoes. Mm -hmm. All these things came out of Jay and his creativity. He's an amazing person to work for. What a mind to be around. Uh, yeah, it must have been an well, it's an incredible mentor and an amazing yeah. figure and a great example. What if if you had to, you've been working with him for so long in different areas and for different times of your career. If if there were a couple of things that you can point out as of why he's such an amazing entrepreneur, what I mean, why what's the secret sauce of being so incredible to transform something into something completely different and, and amazing at huge proportions? Besides having the right bloodline. <laughs> Well, yeah, right. that, well, that yeah the push cuts are incredible. I think, yeah. I think the bloodline has something to do with it because what I've learned is being around he and his family is that they they talk, live, breathe business. When Jay was growing up at the table, his father would talk business mm. all the time. He would learn so much from his father just being around him. When he was young, he would be in the stores. He would learn and observe. When, his, when he became old enough, his father started him at the bottom where he'd learned everything about uh, of running a store. He, he wasn't just all of a sudden becoming a manager or a, a president. He learned from, from basically listening and doing. And he's doing that with his family. So his kids learn the same way at the dinner table, coming into the stores as kids and watching and listening and learning. It becomes part of their DNA from a very young age, and you can see it in, in their kids. And now his kids, kids, his grandkids are in the stores learning and listening, and they will be probably as sharp, if not sharper, than the generation before them. It's just what they do. Sounds like that generational connection, much like you had with, you were talking about your grandparents and your father's giving and everything as well. So it's also just surrounding yourself where um, Absolutely. you're in a position to learn from the beginning. Listening and learning and being a close family. That's right. Yeah. And so you mentioned DSW, you mentioned American Eagle, you mentioned, um, I've been that in a furniture. few of those stores. <laughs> so right. you mentioned, yes, a few of them. So what are, I know each one has its own giving priorities as well. So you, do you want to share with us about some of the giving priorities that each of those brands has as well? Sure. First of all, you have to understand that when you're a public company, you have different accountability than you do mm-hmm. as a private company. Sure. Jay and his private companies can do what they want to do, obviously within certain parameters, sure. uh, based on the needs of the family, of the show, 
of the associates and so on, but in public companies, we have to be very careful about how we do our charitable giving. Mm -hmm. But even so, here's the parameters of what we look at. We look at a variety of different factors in order to make, we look at what are the needs of our customers, what are their interests. We look at the needs and interests of our associates. In a public company, you also have to look at the needs and interests of your shareholders and our leadership. You take all that into account, and then you have to do a strategic understanding of what's important in the community itself and all the communities in which you have a presence. So you would think that giving money is a simple process. It is not if you do it right. You have to take all of those factors into account before you start to think about where you want to place your money. Now, what we find is that each of our companies, American Eagle, for example, has a certain niche. Their customer is a younger customer, a younger, hip, cool customer, but they have certain interests that they have priority. Our DSW customer is basically women. If it wasn't for women, men could not keep us in business. It's women that keeps us in business. It is so a very were, small men's section compared to the women's. <laughs> yes, we do sell men's shoes, but the turnover on shoes for women is about eight times more than what we wow. do with our men. So yeah, I'm not surprised. But our women have certain interests. So we have to take that into account for our DSW group. For our Value City Furniture brand, we have a mixture. We have a very diverse customer. We have a younger, but not as young as American Eagle. So their interests are a little different also. So you can see that from a customer point of view, each of those companies have a different demographic. Mm -hmm. So we look at different interests on charitable giving that will deal with their interests. That's just one factor though. Yeah. So all those other factors have to play a role before we make a decision. Yes. And did you... Um... You talked about the, so was this just audience research that you've done? Was it actually going out and talking to people? Uh, how did you decide to kind of narrow in on different, um, you talked about DSW and the sure. women's causes and uh, American Eagle being younger. So was that just based on your own research or did you have conversations with people or how did that it's, come about? It's research. We also do some some studies of our, our clientele, so to speak. We find out what they have an interest in. Mm-hmm. We find that that you know women's issues obviously are very important mm-hmm. to our DSW clientele. We also find out that health issues are very important. And at, at DSW, health issues are also important as well as educational issues. And over at, at American Eagle and so on and so forth. So yeah. what we what I try to do is I try to coordinate between the brands so there's not too much duplication. We certainly have a limited amount of resources that can be used. We want to use those in the most effective and efficient way possible. And if we duplicate, that certainly isn't a very good idea. So part of my job is to help them understand what their needs are based on those factors, but also to make sure that they don't do the same charitable endeavors as the other companies that come under the shots. Which sounds like a, like a really fun and, and also very important job to have. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, from this conversation and also the one that we had before, it sounds like uh, something really, really interesting. And could you tell us a little bit more about how it actually reflects into the community when it comes sure. to uh, Columbus and every, every other part that you guys play a major role in? Sure. We, we strongly believe, Enrique, that a, a majority of our charitable giving should be in our hometown. Not all of it, but a large share. American Eagle is based in Pittsburgh. They have the same philosophy. But DSW, Value City Furniture, our property group, a few other of our companies are based here in Columbus. So we get deeply involved. In the, in the Columbus community. We, our, our basic philosophy for the last eight to 10 years has been to focus on basic 
human needs. We found that unfortunately, since the recession, that there are so many people that are hurting that can't even afford food on the table or shoes on their feet or a shelter to live in, that we could not ignore that. So we reevaluated a lot of our giving and started to focus on basic human needs. And we've given a tremendous amount of money to what was called the Mid-Ohio Food Bank, which provides food all around the community, to the Community Shelter Board, which helps the homeless to make sure that they have a place to stay, and other basic needs organizations. That's where our Columbus focus has been. In addition, we give to a lot of other things. We give to Ohio State University for educational needs. We give to the Komen Race for the Cure, which is a huge organization around the country and is the largest funder of breast cancer research in the, in the nation. We believe that is something very important to our associates and to our, our customers. And so we have several of those organizations that we give to on a consistent basis. Wow, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and you talked a little bit also about not just the Schottenstein Stores Corporation, but uh, the history of the companies. Um, there is an incredible history of giving back as well, uh, both, as you mentioned, locally in Columbus and around the country and around the world as well. So um, through your job and just through the, the history of the company, there must also be some lessons learned in how to best support charitable causes. Um, well, with so many brands. So can you tell us a little bit more about some of the things you've learned? I, I can tell you what our philosophy has become. Sure. And that is that I've learned from day one that for Jay and his family, giving back is a responsibility that they take very seriously. It's not something that we do for marketing purposes. It's not something that we do because you know we want to promote it. It's something that's part of who they are. And so they give a lot on their own privately but they expect the companies to also reflect that same philosophy. So what you'll see from our companies is that there are times when we'll promote what we're giving because it's important mm -hmm. for our customers to know certain things and to, and to participate in those things. But the majority of our charitable giving is done quietly. We do it because it's the right thing to do. We do it because we want to help the community and we want to help make the communities in which we have a presence healthier and stronger. Mm -hmm. So for many companies, they do it for the right reasons, but they promote it a lot. We don't promote our, our, our philanthropy as much as many others because it's not part of what the Schottensteins believe in. Sure. And, and I personally believe that's a, a really good way to do what we do. It's a very unique way of doing it as well, right? Especially now, because a lot of other companies would claim that the more you promote or maybe promote's not the right word the more you actually let others know what you're doing then you can also um rally the support of others maybe yeah. influence others to do the same and just make the community kind of participate more but but it's amazing and it's it's interesting what you guys do and it's it's really really uh especially at the level special you do it. yeah well there's exactly. certainly a place for cause marketing and, and to let people know what you're doing and you're doing the right thing don't get me wrong we do that at times we have what's called the Value City Arena and at the Jerome Schottenstein Center, which is a huge arena on the campus of Ohio State. Obviously, we have to promote that. That's right. right. And, and there's certain things that we'll, we will be doing around mental health that we will be promoting within our companies because it's important for people to also participate in that. But the majority of what we do, we feel we do it and we don't want necessarily people to know about it. We just want to make a difference. That's an incredible example for so many companies out there, right? Because uh, 
yeah if you over promote some point it feels a little bit like you're just doing it for the promotional right. aspects of it as opposed to just really really caring for the causes that you're supporting but no it's uh it's a great great um example for a lot of other companies out there and it's it's great to have you here and thank you very much again for sharing all this information it's it's incredible well thank, thanks for having me so, changing a little bit the um changing a little bit the the uh shifting gears a little bit here uh the pandemic right uh it hit everyone hit everyone in different ways uh not only businesses but of course organizations and charitable organizations like the one that you're running could you tell us a bit more uh about how the pandemic was uh impacted your what you do on a day-to-day basis and what you guys had to do to creatively continue to support the people that need the support the most without having i guess all the resources that you usually do? Well, starting in March of 20, uh, our stores, all of our stores were closed. Think about that. Over 1,600 stores shut down, no income. What we were able to do, thanks to the leadership of Jay and and our company leadership, is that we were able to keep our doors open thanks to some of the online sales that we had created, um, which which we put a lot of time in, Mm -hmm. and helping the state of Ohio and our other states where we have a presence get back to open stores by creating tremendous safety measures that we would put in our stores, which we did. And uh, we're very proud of of how safe our stores have become um, during a very difficult time. Charitable wise, when you don't have any money coming in, it's hard to give money out. (laughs) Yeah, right. right? How do you donate, right? How do you donate when you don't have any income and you basically want to keep your your head above water before you sink completely? Mm -hmm. But let me tell you something. Our company didn't stop giving on the charitable level. What we did is we had to reevaluate how we did it for our associates and for our community. For example, it's very important that our associates take part in what we're doing. The more you think outside of yourself and get beyond your own boundaries, the more you'll see how it is important to give back. That's an important part of what we do. But everybody's working from home. Our home offices are closed. The only thing open are our stores. So how do you involve your associates when they're not around? But we found a way. And for the Coleman Race for the Cure, for example, we created certain activities that would allow a small number of people over a period of time to come back and be a part of. So that even though 400 of our home associates couldn't all come together, 10 or 15 at a time could. And then an hour later, 10 or 15. All behind thinking to help. So while we're always worried about our own health and our pandemic, we wanted people to think about others and all the concerns that they had. So we became, last year, the largest corporate contributor to Coleman Race for the Cure in Ohio. Wow. And we did that while under very difficult circumstances, but we felt it was important not to forget there are others hurting, not just us. That's an example of what we did. Could we have done more? Absolutely. But we tried to do something. Something that sounds simple, right? Just don't think about yourself all the time. Think about others. But right. But it's it's difficult. And it's been even more difficult during a pandemic and all the challenges that people have actually been going through. So we, that's... Uh, in, the, in, in December of 20, I, we brought our three companies together who are on this campus, DSW, Property Group, and Value City Furniture. And we held, in one of the coldest days you can imagine, a turkey giveaway for the Mid-Ohio Food Bank, where people would drive through and we would, with masks on and with distance, Mm -hmm. give them a turkey and other food stuff 
so that they would have a holiday with food. Yeah. And I can tell you, I had more associates wanting to volunteer for that than yeah. we needed. Wow. How good is that? Yeah, that that validates everything you're doing, right? When you when you really see it and the associates and the people that work for the company just so selfishly giving back, right? Right. So that's another example. And outside of the pandemic with that many stores, you've talked about kind of how the different brands give back. How with so many employees um, nationwide, how do you guys keep the employee, how do you keep the charitable efforts in front of employees? You mentioned the Komen one during the pandemic and the turkey giveaway, but um, back in the, you know, 2019 and before, how do you keep that many employees engaged in causes and informed on what you're doing at such a high level when there's so many people? Well, Christy, that's a good question. We do it in two ways. I'm sure we can do it better, which we continue to try to, to, try to do better. But there are some organizations that we support, like the Komen, mm-hmm. that have a national sure. so well. mm-hmm. And so we try to get all of our stores on the furniture side to be involved with the Komen Race for the Cure. So we sell things for a dollar that people can put on the wall. We support yeah. Komen. Uh, we have contests for each of our stores around Komen. That's one of the ways. So DSW also has has support for Souls for Souls, which is a national organization. So they get all of their stores involved in collecting shoes, which then are given away domestically and overseas. So number one, we try to identify organizations that have a national footprint that all of our stores can use. The second way we do it is we have we give leeway to all of our stores to be involved locally and to get their stores and their associates involved in local needs. So if a manager of a store is sharp, they'll do something that is important to that community. And those associates will be involved in a charitable endeavor in their community. So we look for national organizations and we look for local organizations. Those are the two ways we try to keep our associates involved. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Um, Very, though, that's, I mean, it sounds like a really great strategy to cover both ends and then kind of push forward. And at times it works and at times you can do better. It sounds like you've you've been doing an amazing job and it sounds like you guys do an amazing job. So we're really privileged here being able to not only talk to you, but learn a little bit more about how incredible this uh, legacy that the Schoenstein family has actually created without really having to promote it uh, much, uh, which is which is speaks to the character and culture and values that, that you guys have. And, and it's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Right, that start, it's, as you know, it starts at the top. Mm-hmm. And really that does. culture and that character and those values are, are at the top and they're all brought down and we, we all buy into it. Yeah. Is there anything that you guys will do slightly different now after the, well, I'm not saying that we're behind the pandemic, but hopefully <laughs> we'll be soon. But uh, is there anything that you have learned from, from the time, from the, from last year, anything that you'll start to do slightly differently or that you're going to adjust to uh, going forward? Well, uh, Charitable giving is a fluid process. Mm-hmm. If you do it right, you, you need to always stay in touch with the needs of the community, the needs of your customers, and the needs of your associates. And those certainly aren't fixed. They, they change. So will the pandemic change some of our priorities? Probably. We'll have to stay very aggressive and very uh, proactive in staying in touch with what those are. But I can tell you that one of the areas that we're going to be deeply involved in that has been as, uh, exacerbated by the pandemic are mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Mental health issues, when everybody's stuck in their house, they can't socialize, they can't get out, 
it's really hurting a lot of people. And a lot of people don't know how to deal with things as well as maybe they can, they could. And there aren't a lot of services available, especially if you don't have the resources to pay for those services. So I believe that our company and, our, and the family that I work for, we're going to get deeper into mental health and supporting mental health issues. And, and that will be an exciting area. And I think we'll be able to make a, an impact in that area. Yeah, I have no doubt. Um, well, it sounds like you are able to see just a lot of good on a daily basis and continue to be inspired. Um, so during the last 18 months of the pandemic, I'm curious just with all the causes that you get to interact with and the sounds like an incredible family to learn from and the team you're surrounded by. So what has kept you hopeful and inspired during um, what is, has been such a difficult time for so many? Well, first of all, how fortunate for me to be able to use the power of the Schottenstein family and the Schottenstein affiliated companies, that power to do good. How many people have that opportunity? Yeah. So I feel very blessed to be in the position. And I will continue to take that position very seriously as we move forward, mm -hmm. because we can make a difference in so many people's lives. We have made a difference, but we must make sure that we continue to make a difference in helping people become healthier, feel safer, and feel like the community in which they live is safer. So I feel, I feel like that's my responsibility to make sure that we use that power properly. Well, yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This has been incredible to learn more about everything you guys do. And um, I know you're not one to promote, the family is not one to promote all the good things that we're doing, but we're happy to shine a light on it. And um, just as a consumer, I always like to know who's giving back and um, which brands to support. So thank you for all the time you've given us today and um, to learn more about you. So for those listening at home, how is um, how can they connect with you? How can they um, support the causes that you're interested in, learn more about them? Uh, what's the best way to create the next impact? Well, first of all, each of our companies have their own websites. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage people to go on those websites, learn about what the priorities are of each of those Schottenstein affiliated companies. Mm -hmm. And if they have an interest, send it in. Yeah. I can tell you that I get, as you can imagine, a lot of requests on my desk relating to uh, different needs. And we'll look at every one of them. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that we'll fund those, right. but we come sometimes an idea that we aren't aware of comes across our desk and we say, hey, that's something we need to look at. So that's the, the main thing. If you can't find the website for some reason, uh, look, look me up on Schottenstein Stores Corporation. Feel free to call me or email me. Uh, if you want, I'll be happy to give my email address. You can put that out later and, and we'll take a look. Uh, we're always interested in listening and learning uh, and, and see how there are new ways that we can help support the community. Michael, thank you so much. This has been an incredible conversation with you. I mean, it's, it's, it's great to have uh, you in this show and people like you, and it clearly is making a positive impact in the world. So thank you so much uh, thank you, on behalf of thank me and the Supply Chain Now team and Vector and everyone that I know. I mean, what you do is critical and a lot of people depend on what you're doing. So thank you. That's well, appreciate the, uh, the promotion, even though we don't like to promote. In this case, <laughs> it's not so bad. <laughs> we feel so proud about you guys that we just want to make sure that, uh, that yes, that, that we acknowledge the fact that you're doing something that very few people are doing. Very few organizations kind of behave the way you're behaving. And it's something that it's, it's important and it's different and it's, 
incredibly um it's a good example to follow well, so um, we appreciate the good work you. you do too at vector uh, believe me uh, we're not alone uh, i think uh, i'm talking to someone who also understands very well the importance of giving back so thank you for what you do thank you as well michael christy thank you very much for everyone that's listening this was another episode of logistics with purpose please uh follow us if you're interested in conversations like the one that we just had today with michael And thank you so much. Have a good week and see you next time.